Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Drunken PM Radio. This is going to be a brand new kind of podcast. I'm going to completely hand it over to somebody else to run the conversation. Um, and I'm, so I'm feeling a little nervous about this because I'm going to be a participant, but I'm really, really grateful to the people that have joined. We're going to talk about some particular aspects of Scrum Master um, and what that job is and how that job might impact the development team. Um, and I would like to thank my two guests. First, I want to thank Kyle Macy for being here. Kyle's going to introduce himself in a second. He works at Chow Now. He took a class recently and said something in class, which totally seized me up. I didn't know, I didn't know how to respond, but I really wanted to dig into it further because I want to understand it. And so I asked Bjorn Jensen, who is a fellow CST, um, to help us with this conversation. Bjorn also has a development background, so he's got all the credibility that I lack when it comes to talking with people like Kyle. So thank you guys for being here. Um, Kyle, do you want to give him a quick rundown on, on your background so people know a little bit more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, yeah, Kyle Macy. I currently work at Chownow as a software engineer. A lot of my uh, background and uh, opinions kind of come from my time at GitHub on their professional services team, where I had the chance to uh, mentor businesses on SDLC and development practices, which was really great. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's me. All right, cool. And Bjorn. Yes. So this is Bjorn Jensen. I'm a CST, as Dave mentioned before, from Germany, as you might hear. Um, I worked as a developer ages ago. It feels like ages ago. But recently, I was invited into um, refactoring the CSD program with Scrum Alliance. So I definitely got my hands dirty again, which is absolutely fine. And I love to talk about anything related to Agile, Scrum, and anything. That's me. All right, cool. And I specifically asked Bjorn because I was trying to think of somebody who I knew had the right kind of temperament to guide this conversation. So I'm going to uh, just introduce the topic and then totally hand everything over to Bjorn. So we're in a CSM class talking all about the Scrum Master, kind of sharing my explanation of the job. And some of the stuff I said, I think maybe came out in a way that caused some concern for Kyle. So would you mind kind of letting everybody know what you what happened? How how it struck you? Yeah, during your training, I remember a comment about how the Scrum Master role is responsible for fostering a culture on a development team. Specifically, I think I remember comments about testing or coding practices, um, or, or how a, a team might operate on a day to day, and it kind of hit me in a way that that made me think that developers should be responsible for that like if uh that developers should be responsible for fostering their own culture and, and shaping their own culture that they want to work in and having this uh, other role kind of puts this mediator between the developers and the business so the question that i had during your training was if you trust your developers do you need a scrum master does this scrum master role uh, provide too much of a barrier between product ownership and engagement uh, and um, between the developers and uh, the product itself. So I appreciate you sharing that. So that, I think that's super awesome. So, and, and of course it triggered all these things in my project manager, scrum master brain that wanted to scream like, no, we're here to help you. Um, <laughs> 
but that <laughs> clearly would not have come out right. It did make me think of something that I think might add to this conversation. Um, there's a lady named Judith Lasseter who wrote a book called What We Say Matters, which is all about nonviolent communication. And I was interviewing her one time and she asked me what I did. And I said, well, I teach people how to be scrum masters. And she asked about the job. And I said, well, they empower the team. And she started laughing at me. And I thought that was odd that this nonviolent communication lady was laughing at my expense. And she said, everybody on that team's already empowered. You're the only one that decided they weren't, which I think kind of fits in maybe a little bit with Kyle with what you said. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Bjorn, it's your show. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for handing over. And thanks, Kyle, for um, for kind of highlighting what you what you feel and how you see the role. And I I I really like the idea and the, the perspective of okay, um, it's 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 about trust. And is a scrum master something uh, that is kind of getting obsolete if the organization is trusting the the, the, the developers or not. So um, I'm I'm going back a little bit in time, and I just recall my experience working in a development team, and what I realized, especially when I was getting into the position of a project manager, um, is you mentioned the, the role of a mediator. And mm -hmm. I felt the same being, uh, being a project manager because I realized there were the developers and they talk in some kind of language. And then we had business talking in another language as well. But both of them are not coming together for whatever reason because maybe they don't understand each other well or they had, have different perspectives, whatever. And um, so the mediator thing that I had on my back was kind of really driving me nuts because I, I always felt like being the man in the middle and it doesn't feel good. And I remembered my, my background. I started my first footsteps into the agile environment getting my hands dirty with extreme programming and pragmatic programming. And those techniques, the things that we had in the, in the frameworks, um, kind of helped us as developers to grow. But in the organization I was then, it turned out that I, I, I needed to have something else. And I was looking for something with responsibilities and a little more structured way of working and so i figured out scrum and also the roles uh, that we had in scrum and i figured out well there's the po and there's the scrum master and i asked myself as a pm okay uh which is the role for me right now and i i immediately discovered that the product owner takes care of the product he says well the product is going to going to pay the bills. If there is no product, we don't earn anything. And the Scrum Master is taking care um, of the team. This is this was my first gut feeling, and I said, "Well, I think that the team is something like the engine of development, and I would like to have a great engine. So my role as a Scrum Master." is not to uh, to be the mediator between the different roles. It's more about um, helping the engine um, getting into a state of flow, getting the perfect way of working. And this is not by telling people how to work together. 
It's to help them grow and to figure out what might be the best way for them to work together. I have a small set of things that I can use, but it's more like helping them to grow. And that was very important for me as well. It was not only about um, that the Scrum Master was focused on the developers. It was also that the Scrum Master was taking care of the product owner, helping the product owner. What about your conversation, the communication, the culture, your the way of working between you and your stakeholders, the rest of the organization, the rest of the ecosystem this Scrum team was embedded in? And so I figured out a Scrum Master is not only working inside the Scrum team, he is also working outside the Scrum, master, uh, the scrum team. And this is something that is kind of um, making me smile when you say, well, what about if an organization trusts the developers? A Scrum Master is not needed anymore. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of okay. And I think there are some parts missing in here. It's not only about the organization trusting the developers. It's also that the way the organization and the developers are collaborating is in a good shape. And this is something a Scrum Master really can help. So, so this is how I see it. I would like to ask a question. Um, mm -hmm. Kyle, when, you, when, you, when we started and you kind of explained this stuff, I hadn't really thought about the XP side of things. Like, and in that part of the class, that's where we're talking about um, one of the learning objectives from the Scrum Alliance is that the Scrum Master's job, we have to talk about the Scrum Master helping the team improve their development practices. And if I think about XP, if my team is practicing that stuff already, then I think I might totally agree with you. Mm. But I'm nervous about all the teams. I mean, the number of, I'm assuming that that's, you've got some of that in your background, Kyle. I'm not 100% sure, but um, the people that I get in classes that have never heard of that stuff before. Like, how, mm. what do you do when you get developers that don't know about TDD and stuff like that? How do you set off that spark to get them to chase it down? And and when when you ask that, do you mean from a perspective of like an entire team of developers that don't have that? Well, just or... as somebody who works with other developers, like if you didn't yeah. have a scrum master, I mean, I'm not saying the scrum master is supposed to be like the XP expert, but if I see a bunch of people that aren't pairing and aren't using those kinds of practices, like even though I don't know how to set up CI, I'm going to be like, mm -hmm. hey, why aren't you doing this? Yeah, I I think like to jump ahead into CI and TDD and, and these other practices is a little bit of a big step. And I know that these are commonly accepted good practices in right. software engineering. Uh, so, so I think it's reasonable to be like, okay, if, if you have a team of people that aren't doing TDD, they should be doing TDD. But I, I think I would ask the, the question first of what problems are the team facing and how do they want to solve those problems? So I think, and, and this kind of comes into uh, some of the parts that I really liked about the Scrum training was the emphasis on introspection and, and retrospectives and the ability to iterate. That's, that's the part that I would really focus on first is, okay, so you have a team of developers that are, that are struggling with X or Y. Is the answer TDD? Is it CI? Or is it something else? Or is it some completely new process that works specifically for this team of developers. And, and I think like the, the freedom to interrogate that and ask that of the team and to collaborate and come up with a process that works for them uh, 
is is more important than being prescriptive and saying what you need is you know oh, yeah. uh, get okay. up actions right so uh the um so i guess my my point is uh how how would i approach that and then how would i approach team that isn't doing tdd i i would or first isn't ask asking, our, isn't asking the questions it, yeah i would say it's more about asking the questions i would say it's more about um yeah, identifying the problem over the solution, right? Okay. Yeah, which which is a very good thing. And I what I what I uh, experienced a lot of times was I see a lot of developers kind of being stuck in we have to deliver something. And they're mm. working on deliver a task, delivery, delivery, delivery. And my job as a scrum master, I as a scrum master, I am a trigger for conversations. And these conversations should trigger some kind of valuable actions to change something. It's mm. like what you said, raising questions, doing the retrospective, reflecting our current way of working and trying to derive some improvements out of it. So I, I see a scrum master like an investment in a dedicated capacity that helps us to make a step aside by getting some dedicated time to think about our way of working and not only being focused on delivery, delivery, delivery. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think my perspective on that, like I, I really appreciate having the role of somebody whose job it is to think about what we're doing. And, um, and I can definitely see where that can be helpful in uh, certain shapes of organizations, right? I think I I would say that if you've gotten to that point, that maybe you have larger cultural things that that could could be addressed. I'm not going to say that they're necessarily bad. I, I just think that in my experience, fostering a culture of like self interrogation and pause and uh, and, and introspection is is more valuable, right? To like, to, to like give your developers the room to think about how they work and to think about what is hurting and what we can do better. Um, and then that's, I guess that's kind of where like this whole, if you trust developers, do you need, uh, yeah. do you need a scrum master? Because if you give them the time and the space, I think that 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 people are capable of coming up with their own solutions. I wonder I, if some of this is generational too. Like, I mean, Kyle and I are from, I think it's not a secret. We're from different generations. I'm old. <laughs> and, and um, I agree with everything you said. It's just, I'm so used to people coming out of a background where after they got out of school, they were beaten into submission and taught, you know, don't, you don't have time to do that. Like Bjorn said, you're too busy delivering. Don't think for yourself. Don't worry about getting better. Just do what I tell you to do. That even cracking the lid open on that they don't remember how to do it anymore. And right. I guess I look at like, you know, Bjorn said a trigger for conversation. It's sort of like maybe being a catalyst for getting people to think like, oh, maybe that's okay. Creating a safe space for them to do that as opposed to people who have grown up in an environment where like, of course you would be looking at that stuff. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I so <clears throat> when it comes to the the responsibilities, the accountabilities in Scrum. Um, I always try to um, state the meta question that a specific accountability is kind of trying to answer. The product owner is answering the question, are we building the right product? Developers are focusing, are we building the product right? 
and Scrum Masters are focusing on are we learning fast enough? So what can we do in order to increase learning? Learning on different levels. And one thing is, and this is something that I really love about your initial statement, Kyle, um, what we would like to have in a Scrum team is something we call collective ownership. Mm -hmm. So we feel collectively that we own the product. We have different perspectives, but we own it. And in a lot of situations, in a lot of environments, um, we kind of unlearned having this kind of ownership because we are focusing maybe too much on, on delivery or we are forced to do something because a team lead is telling us to do so or whatever. So creating this kind, of, this kind of collective ownership is something that is very important. And this is something a Scrum Master is definitely, definitely supporting. So he or she is creating a safe to fail environment in order to help you make experiments and take over ownership for what you're doing and try to be creative, try out something new. These are the things why we have the five Scrum values in place. And helping a team coming up with what is our value system? Why do we have it? And what are we doing to show the outer world that we kind of believe in this value system? This is very important. And, and a lot of time, we don't have um, the space, the room for doing it. And I'm, I totally agree with you. If a scrum master is doing a perfect job and the whole scrum team is growing in maturity, the Scrum mastery itself is taken over by the whole Scrum team. And a Scrum master as a person might not be needed any longer because Scrum mastery is in place. And this is something that is, I, I only have seen it a few times in over 20 years and because this is a, a high state of maturity. And um, this is something that I, I strongly believe in. And I hope that some teams will reach this level. Let's see how far we come. Does it make sense, Kyle? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have a question for both of you. Um, yes. This is, this is, I'm sort of asking for a friend, but also asking for myself because I've been in this situation. But I did an interview recently with somebody who was a scrum master for a team. Mm -hmm. And she walked into the daily scrum and one of the main developers on the team turned around and said, we don't want you in here anymore. You're not welcome. Mm. Um, this was a team that felt like, and I don't know how mature they were, but in their, at least in their perception of things, they had it under control. They didn't need somebody coming in here, gumming up the works, asking them a lot of questions, poking around at things. They were getting better. They were delivering in their minds. Everything was working. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But the thing I'm wondering about, because I've been in that situation is if I walk into a room, me coming in with my, you know, Scrum Master, Project Manager background, I walk in with the best of intention, just like in class. Like when you said it, I was like, what? Like <laughs> I didn't even know how to respond to it. And and because I'm thinking like my whole job is here to make your life easier, to get shit out of the way for you to do stuff. And if people look at me like I'm unnecessary, then... What should I say? What could I say? Should I just back off? Is there something that I can do that would be a way to say to a team, look, I don't want to screw anything up. I just want to help. Give me something. Let me, let me find a way to help. Like, is there, is there a way that I can do that without just being an irritant? Because I don't, I don't know if there is. When I've been in that situation, I haven't found a good solution for it. 
I'm going to put a cricket sound effect in here, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, you started something. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just trying to gather the right words here. So uh, during the training, we talked a little bit about uh, service leadership. I very yeah. distinctly remember us bonding yep. over Ted Lasso. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and I, think, and I think that kind of attitude coming into those teams uh, will really help like like foster that collaboration. I think if you're if you're going into a team, and uh, you're you're going to tell them, well, what everything you're you're doing is wrong, and and you need to be doing X or Y, you need to be doing TDD and CI, right? You're definitely going to get that pushback, right? Yeah. So, uh, I think kind of joining a team with an open mind and listening, and uh, trying to let the team. Uh, encourage the team to identify their own problems and tell you, you know, what sucks and, you know, what could be better or what's awesome and kind of going into read only mode at first and then kind of compiling a strategy for iteration from there. And I think, I think developers uh, or, or people in general, really, they, they want to be heard and they want to be understood and they, they want to feel like they can relate to people that are trying to help them. So, I think if uh, if you can accomplish that, if you can uh, kind of meet them where they're at and then go from there, I think that would be uh, really helpful. Okay. This is something I can totally agree with. And um, so uh, what I when I when I start being a scrum master in a new team, I think at least the first sprint I spend on observing the team, observing the dynamics of the, observing who is talking to who, who's not talking to somebody else, what's going on, what are the what are the dynamics, and um, what I try to avoid is coming up with my own strategy of hmm, I think this is your grow path, and I push you to it. It's it's more like okay, <laughs> let me help uh, you optimize yourself. Yeah, it's something like well, I know you are wrong, and I know the answer. This is okay. Yeah. Thank you, whatever. Um, so what I'm doing here is um, is that I uh, try to have something like a SWOT analysis. Okay. Uh -huh. First of all, I need to be open and curious about the developers. I ask them, um, I'm here to help you. How would you know that my help is successful after half a year? What, what is something that you are able to accomplish after half of the year that you are not able to accomplish right now? So something like this. And I try to always start with a SWOT analysis about, so what are our strengths as a team? Right. And what are the opportunities we are getting out of it? And what are our, what are our weaknesses? And what are the threats that we uh, take into account? And then I'm kind of um, sharing ideas coming from the Agile way of working, coming from Scrum. And I try to turn affected people into involved people. So involve them as early as possible. They need to figure out, okay, these are our strengths. Perfect. What can we do in order to keep them high? And what are the what are what is about our weaknesses? And I only offer experiments and they can pick them and say, well, okay, hmm, okay, this is some one of our weaknesses. This might be an idea. And when people, when the team is kind of running this experiment, I always ask, how long would you run this experiment? How would you know that this is successful? And how would you know that this is not successful? And what will we do if we see it's not successful? Or the gray zone in between success and not successful. So I try to be as close as possible 
to the whole team, not only developers, also PO, because he is part of the Scrum team as well. And um, I try to be as open, as neutral, and as positive as possible for whatever what the, um, what the, what I what I observe here. And I'm not trying to uh, convince them you have to do it in this way because it's just I I believe that knowledge is is based on experience, and I can't tell experience. You only can experience things yourself. So get your hands dirty. Yeah. Can I ask a a, a question? Yeah. And and. Yeah. This this uh, this kind of you know maybe may a little uh, off the rails here, especially coming from y'all's background in uh, Scrum and Agile coaching. But uh, do you think there's value in a Scrum master joining a team with the goal of them making their own role obsolete? Right, like joining a team, yeah, working on empowerment and mentorship and teaching these developers how to communicate and how to collaborate. And how to foster their own culture, and then, and then moving on in so, this kind of like ephemeral role. I love this question. I because mm-hmm. I, I I guess we didn't talk about this in the class, uh, but I think absolutely. And I and one of the things I try to say in the class is like, if you're really good at being a scrum master, people are going to wonder what the hell you do all day long because it's going to seem like you don't do much of anything. Once you get the team kind of stood up into a point where they're high performing, then that's that's obviously the goal, but there's a part of me that also thinks like if I have a professional sports team that wins their championship, I don't tell the coach we don't need them anymore, right? I st- to me that's like the place where I think some people would say a scrum master could maybe work with more than one team. To me, that's like the point where you dig in even harder. Um, hmm. That that's what I would. Um, the way I think, I think what you said is absolutely has to always be the goal. Get them to not need you, and then find all the other stuff. Is the I, way I think about it. I like something that Jeff Watts has, um, has written down in his book Scrum Mastery. He he wrote something like, "A good Scrum Master is not necessary. A great Scrum Master is not necessary, but wanted." And oh, that's good. There, there is a difference, and yeah. from my what I see, there are at least four base perspectives for Scrum Master. A Scrum Master is a teacher, educating people. A Scrum Master is a facilitator. A Scrum Master is a mentor, and a Scrum Master is a coach. A teacher has only fulfilled his role if the student is better than him or her. If I'm, if I keep something like a distance between me and the students, so that the student is always not as good as I am, and then I'm not being a good teacher. So I need to do my very best in order to help them to grow, to become better and better. And if the student, the team, or um, the developers, product owner, whatever, if they make decisions which are, which are way better than something that I could ever have imagined then they are on a very good track but it takes some time to get in this state this is I how like, i treat i like it. that i think there's a for me there's another aspect that i was thinking about when you when you were talking about that is that i think for any good team just like any good band there's a certain amount of tension that has to be maintained like you need a little bit of friction between the singer and the lead guitar player for the band to sound really good. You need you need the drums and the bass to play together, but there has to be they're pushing each other. And I look at part of the scrum master's job as trying to 
maintain the tension. Like I don't want it to go away. I want there, I expect there to be a little bit of friction between the devs and the PO, but healthy friction. Mm, and I awesome. think that that holding that tension, finding ways to maintain that tension, that's something that can never just be like, you can't take your hand off the, off the switch on that one because it's always going to be changing. I'm a bass player. And, I know. That's um, why I brought of, it up. <laughs> and my... Um, nobody nobody wants the bass player, but if you don't have the bass player, it sounds like crap. Yeah, so, so there's there's this joke about who's... What's the name or how do you name the guy who is hanging, hanging up with musicians? Bass players. Hmm, thank you. <laughs> so, um, but um, there's another thing and uh, my... My base teacher just shared it. And this is something that I really like. And I try to apply it to the role of a scrum master as well. His base lessons were called discover your groove. And this is something that I, as a scrum master, try to do as well. I like to help the team discover first discovering and finding, establishing their own groove. What is the something that makes you groove? What is the something that makes you flow? And um, I'm kind of the foundation the sofa that the that all the rest of the band can just rely on because if they have something else to do they know there's somebody taking care of the rhythm the groove it's in good hands and this is something we can rely on this is something that i really like so i have a question for you kyle are you watching the current season of ted lasso I have not gotten to the second season. Yet. Oh, okay. No. Well, all right. So when you so no do, spoilers. I, I won't spoil it, but I, the thing that popped into my head when you brought that up um, was Nate. So Nate's character changes a little bit in the second season. He's the you know the assistant, and mm -hmm. when you when you start to watch it, like for me, the question is, how long is this going to go on? Like, when is somebody going to be like, dude? Because um, that that to me is like the thing where I wouldn't if I was a a scrum master, I would, I would want the developers to be able to focus on their work. And if somebody was like dead set on a course of action that they firmly believed in that seemed a little unsound, maybe the, the idea of pinging that and just like testing it, like, are you sure that's really where you want to go with this? Cause maybe it is, but, but maybe it's not. I would like there to be somebody who who's looking at stuff and, and playing devil's advocate. And I, guess there's a part of me that feels like the, the rest of the team's busy they shouldn't if they can do that awesome but i don't want to put it on their shoulders is, is the way i look at it i don't know how either of you feel about that maybe i'm wrong yeah kind of coming from the other direction i so maybe it helps if 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 i kind of frame in my brain that i think that the scrum master role is is taking away responsibilities from the developers and that's that can be a great thing. That could be an awesome thing. And but at the same time, I think to myself, well, what's left for the developers to do? And that's to close Jira tickets, right? Like you master the in. craft, though. <laughs> yeah, to to some degree. But I I kind of come from this perspective of like I want to be engaged in the work that I'm doing, and I like I want to have like I want to have some part in knowing that we're building the right product or that we're building products that actually serve the people uh, that are using them. So I like, I, I worry when organizations get to this point that developers are so far removed away from, yeah. you know, users that, you know, you end up with, with products that are just like built in like isolation that don't 
meet the needs at all. And I know that's the role of the Scrum Master is to kind of like connect those parts. But, you know, now we're talking about increased points of failure, right? Or mm-hmm. or breakdowns in communication. So I, I really like to have developers be really close to the product, be close to their customers um, or users, sorry. Uh, and... You know, if there's opportunities to get developers in front of users, uh, like um, previously we've done uh, user panels and stuff at GitHub, and engineers were were able to meet, you know, uh, execs or or leaders or at various companies who are sharing their organizational problems, and they were able to hear them firsthand and really internalize them and to and to posit, you know, solutions. So I think like. I I want to make developers closer and closer uh, to that level. Like I I, I want you know uh, Jane engineer to be right behind that screen when somebody's using your software. So yeah. um, that that's kind of like where my my whole philosophy comes from is is trying to keep that connection rather than sever it. And this is why we have something like the agile principle number four in place. Developers and business people. You're just became one of those people who's memorized the numbers of the principles. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's uh, and this is very sorry. Important. I stepped. You should say it again because I stepped on it. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So this is why we have the agile principle number four in place, which says developers and business people should work together on a database or must work together on a database. And this this must work together on a database. There are several perspectives to it. One of them is. Um, we kind of avoid misinterpretation of information. So the, the information that we would like to have is need to be very accurate, need to be um, state of the art. That must be coming directly from the from the user. The other thing is, if we have business people and developers working together on a daily base, they kind of create something like a like an identity as a team. And this is something that is unleashing real magic. What you see in a lot of organizations is that these parties are kind of decoupled. And you have something like, well, where's the product owner? Well, he is coming from the IT department. Well, and where's the user? Somewhere far away. So this is something we might need to look at. And um, I just mentioned the three meter questions for the P, for the three accountabilities in the Scrum framework. You can also um, put another perspective on it, and I like to treat it from the perspective of quality. Product owners, from my perspective, take care of outer quality, and developers take care of inner quality of the product. And only if they work together, it will make sense. And what is the role of the Scrum Master, you, I hear you say? Because when we have outer quality and inner quality, from the product perspective, everything is fine. The Scrum Master is taking care of collaborative quality. Is the mm. collaboration we have oh, in good. place in, a, in, the, in the right shape? Is this collaboration, the culture we are working together, in the shape that we can that we are able to deliver value and to learn from what we deliver? Because Scrum is not a, a framework for delivering software or something. Scrum is a framework for learning in a high-frequent, iterative, and incremental way. And this is an interesting thing. And Scrum is is never something... So I hear a lot of companies coming up and say, well, we would like to have Scrum. Help us doing Scrum. And my first question is, why? Why would you do it? So what is So Scrum is not the solution. Scrum is a way to improve our current way of working. 
but it's not the end state. Definitely not. Wow. So there's this thing that's been rolling around in my head as you guys have talked about this and I think specifically with some of the stuff Kyle said, it sounds Kyle like you want to work with people that actually give a shit, which <laughs> I would like that. I don't always get that. I think that's the thing that sometimes can be tough. Like if you get people who have been taught to not try, that's a hard thing. And that, I guess that could fall to anybody to inspire them, to help them rise up to this again. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think like that, that feeling of I, I give a shit or my developers give a shit. I think that's the responsibility of the business to like kind of foster that culture that allow people to feel engaged and empowered. Right. And, and that's, and that's not going to be everybody. There, there are absolutely uh, people out there that are totally fine, you know, taking a Jira ticket and working on it and honing their craft and closing the ticket and not wanting to engage you know, any further than that, like your, your software job doesn't need to be your entire life. It doesn't need to be something that you are 1 million percent engaged in. But I think leaving room for those people that do want to like, you know, blur those lines and uh, want to have a feeling of ownership. I think that's, I think that's where like, like a, a business should really invest in that. There's one thing that I wanted to comment on. So first, I'm grateful to you guys both, especially Kyle, to you for raising that, that, that topic. But what was so interesting when it happened and is still so interesting to me, I'm trying to be like hyper aware of what's going on inside my brain and every other part of me as I respond to this, because I have such a strong resistance to it. And the resistance comes from an insecurity, I think, about feeling like I need to prove that I can add value. Like I'm not a mm. developer, but I, I can contribute and I've been, I've had so many, so many developers who are like, yeah, whatever, junior, get out of here. And so it's always like this struggle. So it definitely struck a chord with me. And um, I think that there's probably a lot of people out there. So if you get challenged this way, my initial response was very like reflexively defensive. Yeah. Until I was able to calm down and be like, well, damn, that's actually a great question. <laughs> yeah. And and I and I didn't necessarily want to make you feel called out or that oh, a, scrum, no, a, scrum, a scrum master. I'm but. grateful for that when that happens. It doesn't <laughs> happen enough. Yeah. I. It's not that I don't think that a scrum master is able to add value. I think that there's, there's a lot of business shapes that scrum and a scrum master is absolutely going to improve quality of life and and day-to-day operations on uh in a development organization like i i don't want to debate that and we talked a little bit during the training about how um you're really familiar with working with teams that are really struggling and and mm-hmm. need this guidance and something to align yeah. on and uh the the teams that i've worked in directly are are teams that are full of people that are invested in being tied to the product and have worked in like 30 different, uh, you know, work styles and want that level of ownership. So, yeah. And we talked a little bit about that maybe being a generational thing. And I don't necessarily mean like an age generation, but maybe like a tech generation. It could be both. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't like to, to, like, to believe that uh, the, you know, the personal age that you bring to a company I'll take really. I'll on that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you have it. Complain to me on that one, everybody. 
So um, I think, so I, I had several teams that are in a very high state of maturity that definitely, they, they, they really wanted me as a scrum master because I helped them to get different perspectives on things and how they work. And this was my main task just to see, okay, what is something there that I, that I see, something like a pattern, and I help them to see this as well and what, we can, what can we do in order to learn from it. And um, this responsibility thing you're talking about, Kyle, is, is, is awesome. If we have this kind of feeling, this kind of collective ownership, this is a really, a really good state. And this is something where we as Scrum Masters, Agile Coaches, or however you might call them, can kind of see how much of this collective ownership is currently in place and what do we need in order to increase it? Or is there something that is kind of decreasing it already? So what can we do about this? And um, there are a lot of things you can observe, something like sprint goals, what do we have? And I, if I see a, a mature scrum team, I see input for sprint goals coming from the PO, but I also see sprint goals um, coming from the developer's perspective because they take over responsibility for the inner quality and they come up with things that the product owner might not be aware of, something like technical depth or other things and strategies, how to improve, what do we need to do with our own architecture, what is there in place and is there something that we are lacking, how to improve, what can we do in order to have something like these emergent architecture or other things in place. And if you have something like this, absolutely awesome. In a lot of um, cases, teams are a bit more away from this kind of state. Mm. And that's where the, maybe the, maybe some assistance of, of any kind would be helpful, I guess. Absolutely. Well, this was awesome. Thank you guys for doing this. Um, and, and I really do mean it, when, Kyle, when I say that I'm like being challenged that way in a class is, is an awesome thing for me. I mean, I'm, I'm a student in those classes too, of everybody that's there. And I like when there's a problem that I'm like, well, wow, I never thought of that before like that. It's great when it happens. It really sparks my brain. So I appreciate it. Um, Something that I would like to add as well. Yeah. Just one more thing. Um, because I came back to the initial question of you, Kyle. And um, so two ways to take a look at the well team Here's your new Scrum Master. One way could be, because the organization decided, we have to do Scrum now, here's your Scrum Master. Otherwise, we are not doing Scrum and we are doomed. So this is your Scrum Master. This might be something that is kind of uh, really not motivating people. If we treat it from the perspective, well, we identified something that we as an organizational lack and we would like to invest into our own growth. And this is the reason why we are looking for some help. And therefore, we kind of established a role called Scrum Master or something. So it's, it depends a bit on how we are going to, what is the motivation behind having this role? Right. And this is kind of reflecting the maturity level of the, of the rest of the organization as well. Yeah. This was awesome. Um, so Kyle, if people want to reach out to you with follow-up questions, what's the best way for them to track you down? Uh, you can send a carrier pigeon up to <laughs> Rochester, New York. There's only like 12 people that live here, so I'm sure I'll get it. Uh, but, but otherwise, you can, you can find me on Twitter. I don't tweet very often. 
but but I'll you know I'll get the push notification. Uh, my Twitter handle is it's Kyle Macy. All right, cool. Um, and Bjorn. So I'm uh, twittering as well, but uh, it's a bit hard to spell. It's uh, at Miru H H M I R O U H H, or drop me a mail at mail at jensen.coach, and this will get to me very soon. And I don't send a pigeon. It will take ages from the US to get here. And I'm not quite <laughs> sure if this pigeon is able to locate me in Hamburg. But anyway. <laughs> well, thank you guys both for doing this. I'll make sure to include links to your stuff in the show notes. Um, and, I, and I am really grateful to you both for, for participating in this and Bjorn for leading us through this conversation. And if you're listening, if you've got any questions like this, please send them and I'd love to do more stuff about topics like this. So um, you can find my contact information in the show notes as well. Guys, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.